Hey everybody, welcome to the Fantasy Players Club. I'm your host, Levi Valentine, at Levi underscore Valentine on Twitter. Joining me is my co-host, Brent Hutt-Hutt-Hikus. Follow him at Brent Hikus on Twitter, H-E-I-K-E-S. Brent, we're going to start the show a little differently tonight. We have a trailer for a new episode of the upcoming season of football. So let's play that for our listeners here. Looking forward to it. Hey there, Players Club. Gossip Girl here. It's summer in Foxborough, and life is certainly heating up for our scandalous patriots. After spending the summer thinking he would finally be the prom queen, Jarrett Stidham got the message loud and clear. He is nothing more than a rebound fling. It seems like the only crown Jarrett can get now is if he gets a Burger King kids meal. Mr. Belichick couldn't keep his wandering eyes in check when he found himself secretly playing the field. A warning to his latest arm candy, your new guy will always be looking for someone better. The lights came on for Cam during last call and he found himself with one desperate suitor at the bar. While Bill might not be committed now, who says a one night stand can't turn into a loving relationship? After moving out, Tom is trying to show everyone how much fun he's having in his new partnership. Even resorting to publicly breaking the law just to get noticed by his ex. You have to wonder, Is he trying to convince us or himself? Old habits die hard for Bill, who is once again penalized for peeping on a rival. Maybe put the camcorder away next time and just try to enjoy your current union, huh, Bill? That's all I got for you today, Players Club. See you at the next party. And remember, deny, deny, deny. XOXO, Gossip Girl. That was a good one. So Trevin's at it again. Trevin is at it again. Uh, that was, I don't know if we have anybody who, lists, who has been forced to watch Gossip Girl or voluntarily done it on their own. But oh, I bet, I bet all of our followers <laughs> listen or watch Gossip Girl. Apparently um, that is, his wife is binge watching it right now and forcing him to watch it. So I he, bet Trevin's watching it too. You're probably right. <laughs> uh, so... He broke some news for us in there. Big breaking news this week, Brent. Cam Newton, yeah. former NFL MVP, has reached a one-year incentive-laden deal with the Patriots. He continues to rehab from foot surgery, had a physical in Atlanta on March 23rd. Uh, he passed the physical. He turned 31 in May. He's healthy. Both his shoulder and his foot are, quote, checking out well. What do you think about Cam in New England, Brent? Well, first off, I think think it's exciting for NFL fans, New England fans, Cam Newton fans. Um, the ceiling's pretty high, I think. Um, it'll bring a nice little excitement for for fans, NFL fans, and Patriot fans. But 
when you take a step back and look at the last three years, three surgeries, two on his shoulder, one on his foot, um, that's, that's not good. I mean, are we going to have another surgery coming up soon? Who knows? It's, um, I will say that in 2018, he looked pretty good. And, I mean, if you look at his stats, his stats were pretty good too. Um, he hasn't thrown for more than 25 touchdowns since 2015. He hasn't thrown for more than 4,000 yards since 2011. And he hasn't rushed for more than seven touchdowns since 2015. So it has been about four or five years since he's actually been the cam that we that we all know that led the Panthers to the Super Bowl. Um, even though his 2018 season was pretty good, but um, he played through an injury most of that year. I don't know if if you watched Amazon's All or Nothing from last year when it was covering the 2018 season. Um, if you did, you would you'd you'd remember that he was playing through an injury for basically half the last half the year and then he finally couldn't finish the last two games and sat out and and as we all know last year he only played like what one or two games um but i mean he's 31 um like i said the ceiling is high if he's healthy it brings everybody up um on that offense um i do think running the running game will still be strong for the Patriots. I, I picture them um, playing some really low-score games. Um, I don't know if he'll really bump up the receivers that much, but um, I don't know. He, he actually might steal some goal line carries from from the running backs like Sony Michelle, Burkhead, and Damian Harris. So, what, what are your thoughts on it? I think he has a lot of upside in that offense. You mentioned last year, last year, but prior to that, uh, he had played all but five of a possible 128 games since entering the league. He does have 929 carries in his career, so it's fair to wonder if that's going to start to take a toll on him and if he will miss additional games going forward. But when he's been on the field, he's been highly productive as a fantasy player. Uh, He had, in 2018, he was a little bit more conservative in the passing game, only 7.3 yards for average depth on his passes, but he did have a career-high 68% completion percentage and 7.2 yards per attempt, so solid statistical year for him for a passing game. He was also still pretty good as a rusher that season. He had 488 yards and four touchdowns in 14 games, finished in the top eight in fantasy points per game for the seventh time in eight seasons, so I think that's probably fair to expect from Cam if he can stay healthy in, Washington, or in uh, New England going forward, to have very productive fantasy season. He has pretty good weapons around him in that offense. He, we saw his success with Christian McCaffrey and throwing him the ball in Carolina, which was part of what contributed maybe to that lower average depth of target, uh, but greater passing efficiency. And he has James White still in New England, who is a very good pass catching back as we saw over the past five, six years with Tom Brady. So he has a good weapon there. They have Nikhil Harry, who we saw what Cam was able to do uh, with Kelvin Benjamin and Carolina. I do have similar uh, profiles as far as their size. Obviously Nikhil Harry is not quite as heavy as Benjamin was maybe a little bit better of an athlete, 
uh, but similar style as far as contested catches and needing a quarterback who's willing to throw it up and let them go get it as opposed to having to see them separate uh, from those defensive backs in order to make plays and feel comfortable throwing them the ball in those situations. I think, you know, you also have most of new and Julian Edelman there as well, if they can both stay healthy. There's a good chance Cam can have a good season as passer. I don't know how much he'll run, given what we've seen from him uh, and the injuries that you mentioned earlier. He does – has kind of trended down in rushing. So 2017, he had 754 yards, 488 in 2018 – uh, obviously, last year only the two games played. Maybe he doesn't run as much, or maybe they redesign that offense to take advantage of some limited rushing opportunities or design runs. But at 31 years old, he's probably not going to be the same quarterback he was in his first few years when he had, you know, five, six, seven hundred yards every year. But he doesn't have to run a lot to be able to add a little bit of value and maybe secure a place as a QB1 in 12-team leagues for this season. I'd say it's very possible. Um, it's he, he's played through injuries before. He, he he's tough. That's one thing I'll I'll give it to him. He, he's a tough quarterback, and he he'll play through injuries. And if if you watch that all or nothing from last year, um, on the 2018 season, he you can tell that he was hurting, but he came out every day and just fought through it. it it's pretty cool to watch. Um, so I, I I'm rooting for him. I hope he does well. It's just you got to think of this too. He really fought hard and played through injuries for the Panthers, and he's making some good money at Carolina. He, he's on the minimum veterans contract right now at, at the Patriots. I wonder how much motivation he'll have to play injured for the Patriots, making that little amount of money that he's making. So I don't know. It, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch. Honestly, I expect him to be very motivated just because he saw how – free agency win for him this offseason. No True. real offers until now June. Uh, I think that's pretty motivating for him. If he wants to be able to continue his career, he needs to have a really good year this year. It's a one-year deal, highly incentive-laden. So if he doesn't perform, he's not going to get paid this year, and he's not going to get uh, paid in future seasons. So uh, he needs to come out and play well this season for his own benefit, both now and in the future. And I think that'll motivate him a lot, in addition to – you know, the motivation that he has from not being signed until almost the end of the offseason. Would you say it's a lock that he'll be starting week one for the Patriots? I would be very surprised if he wasn't. It's hard to bet against the former MVP, even if it was five years ago, in favor of, you know, Jared Stim, who was a fourth-round pick and had, like, negative fantasy points last season because he barely played and he threw an interception or Brian Hoyer, who we didn't expect to start anyway. What do you expect? Um, I think it's a very good chance that he's starting. Um, the, the thing is I want to mention is before Cam got signed, I, I wasn't dead set on Stidham being the number one guy there. I thought Hoyer had a decent chance to possibly start week one um, just because Belichick knows him. Um, he's been there before. He has more experience. Um, but obviously that kind of throws that out of the window. I'd say it's probably about a 80% chance that Cam Newton will be starting week one, maybe 12% chance Stidham will be starting, then maybe 8% chance Hoyer. So Sounds about right. Yeah. So Cool. Shall we move on to the main event? Yeah, let's do it. 
All right. Before we do that, we do have another high-quality commercial from Trevin this week. Brent, I think you are going to love this one. It's, All right. Do you want to tell the people what you're drinking tonight? Um, I'm drinking Coors Light. <laughs> I usually drink Stella. I actually um, only have one Stella left, but I saw a good deal at Sam's Club um, for for Coors Light, so I got a bunch of Coors Light. So yeah. It's unfortunate you're not drinking a Stella tonight because that would be perfect for this commercial. <laughs> so let me roll that. I can- Stella Atois. You're on your deck, listening to burgers sizzle on your grill. You're enjoying a Stella Artois. If you think this is you, guess what? Stella Artois ain't for you, you broke bitch. This isn't a commercial to buy Stella. This is a reminder that you are not good enough to drink it. You grill your own burgers? Enjoy Bud Light, you bum. Stella Artois has foil. You seriously think you're entitled to a foil beer, idiot? You really think you're looking down on enough people to drink Stella? The people that drank Stella are looking down on you, and they're laughing. Your wife thinks she could have got a man who drinks Stella. You think you can drink Stella. You're both delusional. Go drink gutter water like dogs. You know your new neighbor who just bought the house next door? The one that has the Peloton? The closest you're going to be to drinking Stella Artois is watching him drink it through his window. Stella Artois, it's 5% alcohol for the 1%. That's good. (laughs) Dang, he's been getting me. Yeah. Jeez. 1% Brent, I hear, is going to be your nickname. I guess. (laughs) I guess. Jeez. Do, you, do you know who he could have been referencing with just bought a new house and has a peloton <laughs> and drinks I don't, stuff? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see any connection there. <laughs> God. Oh, All right. Shoot. Now let's move on to the main event. And now for our main event. All right. So for our main event tonight, we are going to do an AFC East preview we're going to start previewing each division within our episodes going forward as we prepare for the upcoming season so we thought it would be good to start with the AFC East because of tonight's breaking news about Cam Newton and I think we'll start with the Patriots since we're already somewhat down that road Uh, we can maybe keep this one pretty brief since we've already touched on a lot of the playmakers between Cam Newton and the backups at quarterback and then the receivers and running backs a little bit as well but Brent uh, we talked about quarterback extensively. Uh, feel free to add any other comments you may have, and then let us know what you think about the running backs. Okay. Um, quarterbacks, um, I don't know if I'd want to own any of them for a dynasty. Um, there's a very good chance that everybody on the roster will not be starting next year in 2001. Um, so that's why I personally just stay away from Cam Newton, Stidham, Hoyer, um, if you want to maybe take a, if you have a, if you're in a big league, like in a big dynasty league, um, Brian Lewerke from quarterback, rookie quarterback from Michigan State, he might be a roster stash for this year. But um, Jamar Smith, he's another another possible practice squad, practice squad guy along with Lewerke. 
Um, so honestly, I'd stay away from these five quarterbacks in Dynasty. Um, do you have anything to add to these quarterbacks for these quarterbacks, Levi? Yeah, I mentioned I thought Cam was a good target for potential QB1 this season, maybe back end of the top quarterbacks for starters. <laughs> maybe a back end starting quarterback uh, for Cam this season. For Dynasty, I think he's worth rostering if you're in a position to compete now, especially in a super flex league. Uh, I think he's got maybe a year or two, a few good years left. Uh, the rest of them, I agree with you, like, pretty minimal value in both redraft and dynasty yeah good yeah i mean newton if you have him on your team great um but i don't think i'd be trying to trade too much for newton unless it's a super flex i mean you always need those quarterbacks in a super flex yeah um running backs sony michelle oh what are your thoughts on michelle this year I have never been a Sonny Michelle fan, and I don't see that changing. To me, he's fine as just just a guy, uh, maybe a running back three or four on your roster. Not somebody I'm ever really comfortable starting. Uh, he's been somewhat injury prone in his career. Uh, he had a knee strain in 2018, a knee sprain in preseason 2018. Uh, he's been okay. I just – I don't see a lot of upside, and I think he just had a procedure this offseason that could potentially impact his availability to start the year, and I think Damian Harris could get some work, uh, third-round pick last season uh, out of Alabama to potentially take some work away from Sonny Michelle this season. Last season, Damian Harris was off in a game day inactive uh, because he didn't isn't able to contribute on special teams, but this year I could see him getting some run with a year's experience and with uh, Sonny Michelle potentially having some issues. And I think there could be some value there alongside Cam if Cam's able to, you know, kind of freeze those linebackers or take some attention away from the running game uh, with his ability to run himself. I think Damian Harris is a good upside play in Dynasty League as far as being a stash on the end of your bench. I agree. I totally agree with you. Um, Where Sonny Michelle is getting drafted – especially now since he had his most recent operation and his probability of being on the pup list this preseason. Um, I, I don't think I'd be drafting him anywhere close to where he's getting drafted right now. Um, Damien Harris, late round, it's a pretty good pick. It's, more, it's a much better chance of me getting Harris than Michelle. Um, I do like Harris because of the opportunity that, that he has. And I feel with James White, um, he'll still have his role as a receiving back, especially with Cam there. Cam's used to having that running back catching passes for him. So James White is not Christian McCaffrey by, by all means, but he can still get those receptions. Um, what are your thoughts on James White and maybe Rex Burkhead? I think James White is perpetually undervalued in PPR leagues, especially. So I like him a lot. Uh, shorter term for Dynasty since he is 28. Uh, for redraft, I certainly think he's worth a, a flyer. He's not – he doesn't have the upside of maybe some of the other backs uh, that may be going in his draft range, but I think you can count on him for production. I was looking at Christian McCaffrey's stats in 2018, the last season he played with Cam Newton. He had 124 targets, 100 receptions, 867 yards. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is in a different tier from James White as far as talent and receiving ability. But 
James White is probably going to get a lot of work just because of the way the New England offense has been designed traditionally and then Cam's ability to throw to the running back and get them in space and his comfort doing that. That's something he's done in the past. And I don't see that changing this season in New England. Uh, so give me some James White. Yeah. I looked it up. Sonny Michelle averaged 3.7 yards per carry last season, down from four and a half his rookie year, uh, only 912 yards. I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots have a little less positive game script this season and that they're probably not going to win 12 games again this year. So that could result in less carries for Sonny Michelle, more work for James White. So I think that's another thing that would work in White's favor against Sonny Michelle. Yeah. And I mean, we kind of touched on it earlier. Cam Newton will take away some of these goal line carries that all these running backs would be getting. So that does drop him a little bit. But James White, even if he's able to catch like 90 of those those receptions, that's 90 points right there. That that could be pretty good for, for James White, especially from where he's getting drafted at. Yeah, so last season, James White had 72 catches for 645 yards and five touchdowns. Not too shabby at all. Uh, yeah. I, I could see him getting some work, uh, certainly in this offense with Cam Newton. Uh, what would you guess James White ranked in uh, fantasy points per game last year for running backs? Uh, probably about 12, 13. 22. So he doesn't contribute much <laughs> in the running game. He only had 67 attempts for 263 yards and one touchdown. But that receiving work is good enough to bring him to basically a low, lower tier running back to or upper yeah. tier flex position. So, Wow. Do you see any fantasy value for Burkhead, Bolden, or J.J. Taylor? Not really. Uh, I think Burkhead, we kind of know what he is at this point. He's uh-huh. going to get some work, but it's never going to be enough to be relevant. Uh, I agree with that. Bolden and Taylor, uh, I don't know. Like with all the other guys in this backfield, it's hard to see them getting much work. Yeah. Surprise, Bolden's been been around for a while. He's He's a good special teams player, and you see him in at running back every once in a while. But J.J. Taylor, um, he was undrafted. Um, he's, I mean, he's one of the best uh, – on a few sites that I've seen, um, they say that he's one of the best undrafted free agents out there that got signed by a team. So um, maybe if you have a deep dynasty dynasty roster and that you're in, um, I would say maybe he might be worth a roster, roster stash, J.J. Taylor. Um, other than that, yeah, that – I'm afraid we've seen what Burkhead can do, which which isn't bad. He, he's had a good NFL career. It kind of surpassed my expectations on on his career, but overall, not bad. Should we move on to receiver? Yeah. So Edelman, Sanu, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, Marquise Lee. What do you think on those guys? Uh, Nikhil Harry is the one to look at right there. I mean, he's the big question mark. Is he gonna? live up to his expectations or are we going to be still seeing Edelman um, getting all the catches? I I do think Edelman, we have to drop him down a little bit because that was Brady's, Brady's guy. It seemed like Tom Brady brought his value up, but with Cam, I think it won't be as good as, as it was, as we've seen in the past, but Nikhil Harry, (laughs) that that's one, that's one, receiver that I can't really put my finger on 
um, he could break out and maybe get a 70-80 catch catch season with maybe another 8 to 10 touchdowns or Jacoby Myers and Marquise Lee could be the the guy for Cam. So um, honestly, I, I'm probably staying away from Nikhil Harry um, because of that. I don't know. I, I just don't know how he's going to how he's going to pan out um, with Cam at quarterback, especially when Jacoby Myers and Marquise Lee are behind him. I'm not saying those guys are better than him, but um, who knows? <laughs> Muhammad Sanu, he had a lot of expectations after that trade last last year, and he let a lot of people down. And I still think he's going to be in the same spot as he was last year. So I'm not expecting much out of um, Edelman or out of Harry um, and Sanu. It, it might be Myers and Lee that might be get a lot, might be getting more catches. Or else these five that we're talking about right now, um, they could all be splitting up all the catches and maybe maybe they'll each get about 40 or 50 catches, which makes them maybe rosterable but not really startable every week. What are your thoughts on these guys? Yeah, I think Edelman has been really good for a long time, but he is 34 now. He's – had 100 catches last year for 1,117 yards, played all 16 games. That was a great year. He was number 10 in fantasy points per game last year over a full season. So it's hard to see him duplicating that this season, just given his age, given the change in quarterback, uh, given maybe this offense takes a small step back from where it was under Tom Brady, although I guess we'll see if that happens or not. Uh, that was his second most catches of his career and the most yards he's ever had. He had six touchdowns. I think he's probably more in that wide receiver two to three range this year versus where he was last year as a back-end wide receiver one. But still somebody worth rostering in redraft leagues and dynasty, a good trade target that you may be able to get at a discount given his age if you're looking to compete this year. But if you're uh, looking to rebuild, certainly somebody I would be trying to move, or if you get halfway through the season and you don't think you're in a position to compete for a championship, definitely somebody you should consider moving. Uh, for Mosa New, I was really disappointed last year after he was traded. He played eight games with New England, only had one touchdown, 207 yards. Uh, I know he had some injury issues that, you know, kind of hindered him a little bit, even if they didn't necessarily cause him to miss games. Uh, he had a uh, high ankle sprain, obviously, for a receiver. That's devastating. But he, again, is someone who's getting up there in age. He's now 30. He's on the wrong side of 30. He'll be 31 in August. So, again, maybe somebody worth rostering uh, if you're <laughs> – competing for a championship or and need a bye week fill-in or on the fringe of making the playoffs in a redraft league or something like that, but not somebody I would be targeting in any of my drafts and uh, probably someone I would be looking to move if I were not competing in the dynasty league. Uh, I don't foresee a big year for him. I probably wouldn't even roster him in redraft and he'd at best be a bye week fill-in hopefully in my dynasty league. Uh, I think Nikhil Harry is a really interesting one here. He has – a ton of upside uh, rookie last year, 32nd pick in the first round coming out of Arizona state, six two two twenty eight. 
uh, obviously prototypical size, 89th percentile college dominator rating, broke out at age 18, 95th percentile breakout age. The pedigree is certainly there. Last season, he started the year on the players unable to perform list and ended up uh, playing in seven games, only had 12 catches on 24 targets for 105 yards, two touchdowns. So kind of a lost year for Nikhil Harry. Never really built that rapport with Tom Brady. Probably isn't the type of receiver that Tom Brady is likely to have a strong connection with because I think Tom Brady values separation a lot. That's something Julian Edelman's really good at. That's something James White's really good at. It's maybe not necessarily Nikhil Harry's biggest strength, uh, but I think he, his skill set aligns much better with Cameron Newton. He was probably poised to take a step forward here in his second year, not trying to you know, transition into playing halfway through the year like he had to last season. I had high hopes for him this year. I wasn't real optimistic about him with Jared Stidham, but I think Cam Newton probably provides Nikhil Harry the biggest bump of anybody in this offense. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you have some good points there. Um, I just think with Cam Newton and the running game, that's going to take a lot of the receptions away from those guys. But but someone's got to catch the the passes, though. So it very well could be Harry. It'll be interesting to, to watch that. Um, tight ends. Yeah, and just real briefly on Jacoby Myers, maybe a end of your bench stash and dynasty, not worth worrying about in redraft. And Marquise Lee, I wouldn't worry about in either format. Um, moving on to tight ends, so they have Matt Lacoste, Devin SCSE, and Dalton Keene. Uh, any of those guys you like in redraft or dynasty, Brent? Not really in redraft. I mean, obviously the two rookies, Devin SCSC and Dalton Keene. Um, in the in the most recent dynasty that I'm in, in the one that you're in too, I picked both of them. So I'm I'm hoping one of them hits. Um, if I had to take a if I had to take a take a guess, it would be Dalton Keene. Um, don't know why, but. <laughs> and they're both they were they're drafted very like only a few spots away from each other. It just seems like Dalton Keene seems more like the player that Belichick likes and um but honestly I'd stay away from Lacoste Izzo. So if you if I'd stay away definitely from these guys in redraft. I'd I would keep an eye on on the situation after week one because maybe one of those rookies could be a waiver wire pickup later on in the year. What are your thoughts? I love the analysis of, I don't really know why, Brent. <laughs> that is well, value added right there. <laughs> that, that could be the Patriots, Patriots idea too. They're like, let's drop two tight ends here in this round and maybe one of them will pan out. I don't know why. So, never know. <laughs> Uh, I would probably lean a little more towards a CSE for longer-term fantasy value. I don't think I would roster any of these guys in redraft. Dynasty, I would maybe take a flyer late in your draft on one or the other or both like you did, Brent. But uh, a CSE had 44 catches for 641 yards last year. That's (laughs) pretty much exactly what Keen had in his entire career. He had 167, 341, and 240 yards in his three seasons there where he records that so it looks like maybe there's a little more potential for a CSC to be a good receiver I don't think either of these guys contributes much this year we don't typically see much from rookie tight ends uh so the thing I is would, that Cam, Cam likes his tight ends too 
Yeah. So when he has Greg Olson, that makes it a little easier. But true. True. I don't know if either of these guys is a Greg Olson in their career, and I really don't expect him to be this year. We'll see. And Matt Lacoste, he's fine. I don't know. Like he's just a guy. He's not. His best season so far is 37 catches for 250 yards. This is his fifth year, yeah, and that was with the Broncos in 2018. So I don't think he's worth rostering in any format, probably unless it's a super deep dynasty league. I agree. I agree. All right. Buffalo Bills? The Buffalo – nobody circles the wagons like the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. What do you think? Right. Josh Allen fan, Brent? I am a Josh Allen fan. Um, I know he's not great. I know he's not the the best pass, and I know he looked dumb at times during the playoff games, <laughs> during that playoff game last year. Do you remember that? You, you oh, mean like so, when he lateraled that one out of yeah, nowhere? <laughs> he, I don't know what in the world he was doing, but I get it. He's, he's a young quarterback, still learning, good enough to take his team to the playoffs, take him that far. Um, but he's 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 got some good potential. Um, he's got Stephon Diggs this year. That'll help out with the passing game. Still has John Brown at receiver. So, he's, I mean, they have – I'd say they have a top 10 offensive line. So, overall, they they got some good people around him. And having good people around a quarterback can make an above-average quarterback look good. So, that's why I'm kind of high on Josh Allen – I'm probably going to have him on some of my best ball teams this year. So um, I expect big things. What are your thoughts on him? Uh, I like him as a back-end QB1 in Dynasty for redraft. I could see him having some value this year. He finished uh, last year with – I mean, really, he's one of those quarterbacks who had a surprising amount of value as a runner. I didn't expect that when he first came out of college, but he's had 631 and 510 yards rushing in his first two seasons, eight touchdowns his first year, nine his second. So he adds a lot of value with those legs. As a passer, he leaves a lot to be desired. His completion percentage was 53% his first year, 59% his second year, threw for 10 touchdowns and 12 interceptions his first year. Improved a lot of second year to 20 touchdowns and nine interceptions, but I don't think he's ever going to be a prolific passer. And once his rushing eventually starts to erode, uh, he probably won't have a lot of value as a fantasy quarterback. He kind of reminds me of Cam Newton in a lot of ways, obviously not nearly as dynamic of a player or as good of a rusher, but he generates a lot of value with his legs and Cam Newton's pretty interception prone himself. He had, so his last, four seasons that he actually played. Cam Newton had 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 22 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, 19 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. And then 2015 when he won the MVP was his one standout year where he had 35 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. But he's always been pretty injury prone – or not pretty injury prone, pretty interception prone and hasn't really thrown for a ton of touchdowns. And that's kind of what I see as Josh Allen's passing profile. Similar – in that regard, last year Josh Allen threw for 3,000, just over 3,000 yards, and Cam Newton's been consistently in his career in the 3,000 to 3,500-yard range. So <laughs> it sounds crazy, but I see a very a lot of similarities in their fantasy profile for this year. And so that's kind of why I see Josh Allen as probably a back-end QB1 in Dynasty for the time being, at least for the next few years. 
and then probably similar for redraft this season. That's a, that's a good comparison. I, I like it. Um, it. You were naming off his stats from 2018. While you're doing that, I was thinking, who were his receivers at that time? Because I can't even think of them. Because <laughs> yeah. they weren't very good, I know that. So he wasn't getting any help from his receivers. See, um, but I don't. He, he had a little bit more help last year with John Brown and Cole Beasley for his receivers, which, in my, I mean, in my mind, we'll get to John Brown here in a little bit, but. Um, Brown's a bit underrated, and Beasley's a bit underrated too. You um, want to know who his receivers were in 2018? Yes. yes, let's hear them. Zay Jones, Robert Foster, Kelvin Benjamin, Isaiah McKenzie, Andre Holmes, Deontay Thompson, Ray Ray McLeod, Trell Pryor, <laughs> Jeremy yes. Curley. So, I mean, obviously those receivers aren't helping out his stats a little bit, especially for a rookie rookie quarterback. Yeah. So. I don't know. That's a good point. And I think adding Stephon Diggs this year certainly gives him a lot more upside for yeah. passes down the field and that type of thing. Who's going to win the backup job, Jake Fromm or Matt Barkley? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Who cares? Because <laughs> if, if you're drafting Josh Allen, you're probably not, you're probably not going to be getting one of his backups. Jake Fromm is worth a dynasty stash maybe for the deep leagues, but that's about it. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I don't even know if I'd do that, but there's no harm if you have an extra roster spot. Yeah. So for running backs, we know how much Brent loves timeshare backfields. So, And this My is guy. one of your – this is your all-time favorite timeshare backfield, isn't <laughs> it, Brent? It, it probably is. No, You know what? I won a championship about 10 years ago. With John and Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams on my team. <laughs> so you've been in love with timeshare backfields yeah. for 10 years because one year it worked out for you. Those two probably got it started for me. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, maybe the next, maybe the next great duo. duo. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I've talked about this before. I really like Singletary. I, I thought he looked great last year, especially late in the year. Um, and he's only going to get better. He's behind a strong offensive line. Um, he's not – He's he has Zach Moss taking some of the carries because, I mean, with running backs, you don't want them getting beat to the ground. You don't want to get them over 22, 20 touches a game. That's why Zach Moss is there. If, if Singletary can get his 18 to 20 carries, Zach Moss gets his 8 to 12 carries – that's perfect. They can win a lot of games by doing that. Um, like I said before in one of our first podcasts, Zach Moss was probably one of my favorite running backs in the draft. He just happened to fall to the Bills, and when that happened, I was I was heartbroken because that means I'd be seeing less Devin Singletary. But you know what? If they're both on the same team, that's fine. I, I got to see them both no matter what. So. <laughs> I'm okay. What are your thoughts on Singletary and Moss? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. You thought, oh, if I can get a, my running back in a timeshare, that's fine. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so last season, Singletary averaged 12, just 12 and a half carries per game. So he wasn't even getting that big of a workload last season. 
I, this season, it's hard to see that increasing with Zach Moss there. Singletary is 5'7", 203. He runs a 4'6", 15th percentile speed score as a result. He's small and slow. That's not what I look for in my running back for him. Maybe that's what you like. I like my running backs to be big and fast and good athletes. <laughs> and so Devin Singletary doesn't fit any of those categories for me. Adding Zach Moss just further muddies it. Zach Moss is a little bit bigger at 5'9 and 223, and he's slow also. He ran a 4.65. He does have a 46 percentile speed score because he is a little bit bigger, but none of these guys do I see – neither of those guys do I see as having enough work to be – guys you want to start consistently in a redraft league this season unless it's like in your flex spot maybe uh unless one of them gets hurt or something and then for dynasty neither one they're not the type of running back that I would go for I like the guys with workhorse upside and I don't see it with either of these guys and their size and athleticism doesn't do much for me Singletary was better last season than I expected him to be, if we're being completely honest. He did average over five yards a carry, only had two touchdowns, and that's probably my biggest concern with either of these running backs. You have Josh Allen there who loves to run it himself when he gets inside the red zone, inside the 10-yard line, inside the five-yard line. We mentioned I think he had eight or nine touchdowns last season. So you have running backs who get the work maybe between the 20s, but then a quarterback who's stealing all the high-value carries inside the red zone and so in addition to being a timeshare that also limits the upside of each of these guys good points good points um i just i wouldn't put too much um stock into their 40 times if if a player can read the hole um make make a guy miss that's that's what you need to look for at a running back sure you'd love to have a quarterback run a four three be 240 pounds um i mean that's great but bottom line is you have to have the instinct at running back and devin singletary has that um you said he only averaged 12 carries per game last year um he did share basically the first half of the year um he was hurt during this time too um the first half of the year in week one he had four carries 70 yards Remind me again um, who else was in that backfield last year, Brent? Frank Gore. Frank Gore. So, Frank so Gore. he was he was sharing time with him. Frank Gore, I mean Does it make he, you feel good that he was sharing time with thirty six year old Frank Gore? <laughs> well, we're we'll get to Frank Gore later on in this <laughs> this podcast, so I'll tell you what I think about him. <laughs> but um I mean he had four carries, six carries, seven carries, and three carries in his and and three carries in week eight. So those really bring down his averages. If you look at the last eight games, when they were, when, when it's a when a huge games, they're trying for fighting for a playoff in the playoffs. Um, he probably I don't have the average right here, but he had 15 carries, 21, 14, 17, 21, and 15. Yeah. So so, I mean, he'll, he'll get his carries. He'll get his 18 carries a game. Zach Moss will take his 8 to 12 carries a game. Um, I agree with you. Josh Allen does like to run a little bit or a lot. So um, he might take some goal line carries too. So the touchdowns aren't going to be great. Um, I think these running backs will be better 
um, in real life compared to fantasy, but I still like them in fantasy. That's how much I like them. So you are right. That he did uh, average a lot more carries per game over the last six, eight, eight weeks, and I forgot about Frank Gore. He averaged 16 carries per game over the past eight weeks, so his workload definitely ticked up once he was able to Mm -hmm. wrestle control of that backfield away from 36-year-old Frank Gore. Do we even want to talk about T.J. Yeldon or Tawan Jones? Uh, (laughs) Not really. (laughs) I mean, T.J. Yeldon, he'll be the third third back. Tawan Jones maybe be a returner. That's they're not fantasy relevant at all, unless unless Singletary and Moss go down, then maybe you can maybe look at Yeldon off the waiver wire. Yeah, Yeldon's twenty six, turning twenty seven in October at this point for Dynasty. I don't know if he has a lot of value other than if something happens to those first two guys, and it would only be for while they're injured. And mm-hmm. uh, for redraft, you're not wasting the roster spot on either of those guys. Uh, moving on to receivers. So the big addition here this offseason, Stephon Diggs went from the Vikings to the Bills. And then you also have returning John Brown and Cole Beasley. Uh, and then uh, I had Duke Williams, Isaiah McKenzie, also in that receiver. They also added, I believe, Gabriel Davis this offseason in the draft. So let's start at the top. How do you feel about Stephon Diggs and Buffalo, Brent? I love Stephon Diggs route running. It's just that he plays – he plays with the offense that's not really going to utilize their stud receiver as much as um, other offenses are. So fantasy-wise, Stephon Diggs, Diggs might not be the the greatest pick, but um, I still expect him to have a somewhat similar year as he did with the Vikings. Um, maybe not as good because I, I do think John Brown – is going to have a big year. John John Brown was quietly really good last year. Let me look at his stats. Um, he had 115 targets, 72 receptions, over a thousand yards, six touchdowns last year for for them. And I, I'm expecting somewhat similar year to John um, for John Brown this next year. Really? Um, Even with Diggs there, you're expecting him to yeah. still get that yep. amount of work? I, I think, think Diggs might open things up a little bit for Brown and Allen getting more experience as a as a quarterback. I do expect Brown to to have a similar year. What are your thoughts on those guys? Uh, it'll be interesting. I didn't love the landing spot for Diggs. When he was hoping for a trade, I was really hoping he'd go somewhere where there would be a little more – there would be an offense that wants to pass the ball more as opposed to run it. I think the Bills prefer to run the ball. Uh, and then you have Josh Allen, who we've mentioned has his issues with accuracy. Maybe Stephon Diggs helps that a little bit uh, with his ability to get open and uh, make some catches that most of the receivers the Bills had a couple of years ago and a little less so last year were able to. Uh, Stephon Diggs, I like as a receiver a lot. He was number 24 in fantasy points per game last year, had 63 catches for 1,129 yards, uh, six touchdowns, good for receiver number 24. So I like him a lot as a wide receiver two, maybe three in redraft, uh, probably a wide receiver two in dynasty. <clears throat> um, John Brown, 
I don't know if I'm as optimistic as you that he replicates what he was able to do last year just because of the addition of Stephon Diggs. He had an exceptional year last year. When you look at what he was able to do, you mentioned over 1,000 yards uh, on 72 catches. He was number 22 in fantasy points per game last year, so a receiver two, which was better than he had ever done in his career. So his prior prior to last year, he had one season over just over 1,000 yards, and that was all the way back in 2015 with the Cardinals. Since then, his... Other than that, his best year had been 700 yards with the Ravens in 2018. So I think we may have seen Brown's career year last year. He's now uh, 30 years old, just turned 30 in April. So he's on, you know, the down, downhill side of his career. Uh, he, you know, when you look at his efficiency, a lot of it is um, his average target distance. He's number 16 in the league. So he's getting those downfield targets, which are good. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to be able to, you know, maintain his speed and his ability to get it open downfield as he has in the past, as he gets a little bit older. Uh, this year, I think he's probably good. I not, wouldn't want him necessarily in my starting lineup, but maybe worth a bench spot uh, in a redraft league. And as dynasty, if you're a contender, I think he's certainly worth uh, a shot. But with Josh Allen throwing in the ball, that's, that's something that caps his upside, in my opinion, and uh, maybe makes him maybe less enthusiastic about him than I would be if he were in a little different situation. I want to include something on Brown. Um, last year when he played for the Ravens, he finally – I can't remember the sickness that he had, but he was having some problems getting that controlled. So basically the whole time that he was at Arizona, he was fighting that sickness, and he finally – he finally found out what the disease was, and he he found, sounds like he got it controlled starting last year at the Ravens, which was his second best year, and then this last year he had his strongest year as a receiver. So yeah, he had sickle cell. That's what it was. That's what yeah. it was. So, I mean, I have a soft spot for John Brown. Now that I live in Kansas, I occasionally go to or stay in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Uh, which okay. when I'm a travel for work, and that is home of Pittsburgh State University, the Gorillas, a prominent uh, Division II football program. And that's where John Brown came from. So to go from there to the NFL and have the success he's had, he's had is impressive, certainly. And so uh, good for John Brown. Uh, I think he has some upside, but uh, maybe a little less optimistic than you, Brent. What about any of the rest of these guys? Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, Gabriel Davis. Cole Beasley is decent in the slot. Um, it'll be interesting to see. What I'm more interested in is Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins, the two rookies that they drafted. Um, one of those guys might jump into the rotation and, be, and maybe even beat out Beasley. Um, I do like Beasley. Um, he did pretty good last year in the slot. Um, the guys that I'm more interested in is Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins, the two rookies. I think they have a good shot to possibly get in, get in the rotation. I'm not interested in McKenzie, Duke Williams, or Andre Roberts at all. What, what about you? Yeah, Beasley, I, I don't know. I'm not – he's 31 now. He's had his, one of his best years of his career last year with – 67 catches uh, for 778 yards and six touchdowns, which was good for 12 fantasy points per game, which was, you know, a low-end receiver three. 
I don't see it getting any better than that for him this season. I'm certainly not taking him in redraft leagues, and I wouldn't be real big on acquiring him in dynasty leagues either. Or if I have him, I would maybe be looking to trade him if I could get anything for him. I do like Gabriel Davis' upside in dynasty. I don't know if he's going to get a lot of playing time this year with Beasley, Diggs, and John Brown in front of him. But he's got – he came out of UCF, 6'2", 216 pounds, 4'5", 40. Uh, he was pretty productive in college at a 34% dominator rating. Broke out at age 19, 80th percentile. He's got the size you're looking for. Uh, last year, he really had a good season. He had 133 targets. Uh, only caught 72 of those. And I don't know if that was quarterback accuracy issues or what, but he had 1,241 yards and 12 touchdowns. So he was incredibly productive at free UCF last season. They took him uh, – let's see, where did he go in the draft? He went – they took him with the – 22nd pick in the fourth round, so decent draft capital. I think he has some upside in that offense longer term, but probably not somebody who's going to produce a lot this year. And uh, Definitely, I would not worry about him in redraft, but worth a dynasty stash on the end of your bench for sure. Yeah, Hodgins also has really good size. He's 6'4", 210. Uh, he went later in the draft, sixth round. Has some upside. He had, again, a very productive season last year for Oregon State. Uh, 86 catches for 1,171 yards, 13 touchdowns. Was a lot slower than I was hoping for, 4.6140. Uh, did have an above-average speed score since he is a bigger receiver, but uh, not somebody that NFL scouts valued highly with him ended up ending up going in the sixth round. But, again, maybe if you have an extra roster spot or you want to spend a late pick in your rookie draft on him, I think he, he could be somebody who could be worth stashing. Good. Dawson Knox, tight end. What are your thoughts on him? I, I don't know. Like, I think he's probably not starter caliber in redraft or dynasty this year, but I think he has some upside longer term. So it's his second year. Last year it was his rookie season. We know rookies typically don't produce a tight end in the NFL. Uh, he's 6'4", 254 pounds, was a third-round pick for the Bills, 96th overall uh, in 2019. He ended up with 28 catches for 388 yards and two touchdowns last season. Pretty good year. He had some good individual games, even if his stats on the year weren't that great. Uh, but he never really uh, got the level of work that I would hope to see. Maybe this year he takes a step forward. Uh, I don't know. I think he... He's probably a good tight end, too, in Dynasty, not worth uh, caring about too much in redraft this season. What do you think, Brent? I've seen a few lists where Dawson Knox has been listed as a possible sleeper at tight end for this year. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Um, I'm guessing a similar year that he had last year, especially with Diggs taking more targets and Brown getting the same targets and Beasley or Davis and Hodgins. One of, I mean, I just don't see him getting any more targets, especially for a running team. Yeah. So I think the case for Dawson Knox is that he is a tremendous athlete. Uh, yeah. His size six four two fifty four, ran a four six forty, seventy uh, second percentile burst score, seventy fifth percentile agility, seventy ninth percentile catch radius. Best comparable to Blake Jarwin, who has. Uh, potentially set up very well for a good year in Dallas. So I think that's the best case. He did uh, play at Old Miss in college, 
came out the same year as AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. So mm-hmm. he didn't wasn't a prolific receiver in that offense, given how good those guys were. Uh, but he did hold his own, and he was you know taken in the third round of the NFL draft. He's a good blocker. Uh, had a seventy was in on seventy one percent of their plays last year. I think he has some longer-term upside in Dynasty, but I don't expect him to necessarily be somebody you want to start if you can avoid it this year. I agree. I agree. Any <laughs> Anything with Croft? Tyler Croft, Lee Smith, Tommy Sweeney, Jason no. Kroom? No. no. <laughs> I'm <laughs> with you there. I mean, it seems like the Bills – I mean, they, they do – I looked at this before the show. I noticed that they do like to play a lot of tight ends. So they might get a random touch touchdown here and there, but all the other games will be getting zero catches and zero yards. So I'd stay away from those guys. I agree. So welcome to Miami, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa. Who do you see starting the beginning of the year, Brent? I think week one, if I had to take a take a guess, it'd be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, it, it honestly, I, I do see. Um, a big change for like the fantasy points for a lot of their players. If Fitzpatrick starting compared compared to Tua, um, so that is big. Who's who's playing quarterback at Miami? Tua obviously is the future, and he might be the better overall quarterback if you're looking to win games. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, he, he's a fun quarterback. He'll. He'll he can score some fantasy points. Um, I wouldn't necessarily have him on my team because I think he he might only start maybe a couple games this year, and then they'll probably move on to Tua because I don't think they'll be that good of a team. Um, but I mean, I, to answer your question, Fitzpatrick will start start week one, but by the end of the year, it'll be Tua. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I. Wouldn't be surprised if Fitzpatrick starts a few games to start the year before they move on to Tua once they're comfortable that he's fully recovered. Where that in the year will be, I don't know. <laughs> I'm hopeful it's earlier because I really am excited to see how Tua does, but uh, it's probably in their best interest to be careful with him this season especially. Uh, I don't think I'm worried about Ryan Fitzpatrick for either redraft or dynasty purposes. Tua – I am pretty optimistic longer term in dynasty for redraft. I'm probably not wasting a spot on him just because I expect him to not be the starter at the beginning of the year uh, for dynasty. I'm probably taking to a early in the second round in a single quarterback league. And obviously in a redraft, he's probably in the top five, six picks uh, in those types of leagues. So uh, I'm really, uh, I'm really optimistic about Tua and his long-term potential, as you know, Brent. <laughs> so yes. Uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting this year for Miami. We, we've had this discussion previously. So <laughs> I, I know you like Tua. Um, I'm a big Joe Burrow fan, and you're a big Tua fan, so it'll be fun to watch that play out this year. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> Josh so Rosen, what do you think about him? <laughs> uh, he might be relevant if Tua gets hurt, I guess, but uh, <laughs> at this point I don't see uh, – oh, I mean – at best, he's a dynasty stash, and even that's probably yeah. a stretch at this point. Yeah, I'd say so too. I, did you did you have something else to add to Fitzpatrick and Tua? Sorry. No, I didn't. No, okay. Yeah, about Rosen, it, I mean, it'd be nice if they can trade him or release him so he gets another shot. It, I feel he didn't get much of a shot in the NFL 
it'd be nice to see, uh, even though I probably don't, I don't expect him to succeed, but maybe he can compete with a, with another guy, another young guy or something. So. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. It's like, I understand he kind of got a, the short end of the stick in Arizona, but he's also had opportunities to go to other teams since then. And none of them have thought he was good enough to play either. So it's hard to say he didn't get a fair shot when he's had at least a couple different teams who have taken a chance on him and he just hasn't been able to earn playing time. Yeah. Uh, what about the running backs here? So you have quite the mix between the top three, I think are probably the most relevant are Jordan Howard, Matt Breida and Patrick Laird. Unless you're a big Kalen Balazs guy. No, no, absolutely not. It, you know what I, this never, is, though, Brent? It's it's potentially another timeshare backfield, so tell me, tell me how much you love it. Oh, boy. This is going to look <laughs> bad. But I do like Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. <laughs> I do. Um, I think those are two underrated backs. Jordan Howard's shown that he can – at the Bears, Jordan Howard did great. At the Eagles, I think he did better than a lot of people expected him to do. And, I mean, it's it's the Howard and Breida show at, at Miami. I don't think they'll be that – I don't think the Dolphins will be that good this year. And their offensive line isn't that good. And I, I see them playing from behind quite a bit. So I don't think, fantasy-wise, Howard and Breida will be that great. But it, it's definitely an upgrade from where they were last year, that's for sure. Because Bollage, um, I've never liked him. Um, I, I think he's done. He'll get cut. Um, what are your thoughts on those two guys, Howard and Brita? For redraft, I don't know if I really want any of this backfield if I can avoid it just because I expect the work to be split. Primarily, uh, probably Jordan Howard getting a lot of the rushing work and then Matt Breda and Patrick Laird maybe splitting quite a bit of the passing work. Uh, I don't know. Like Breda probably get a little bit of the rushing work, but he's always been more of a kind of a change of pace, third down type back, even though he has been really efficient. He has he's a tremendous athlete, four 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 forty. Uh was undrafted out of Georgia Southern, but I I don't know. Like it's really hard to project this offense to score a lot of points and it's hard to see either one of them getting enough work to really be trustworthy in your starting lineup on a given week. Uh, for Dynasty, Jordan Howard at this point is on his third team. Yes, he's still only 25, turns 26 in November. I don't know. Like, I don't know how many more chances he's going to get. Nobody seems to love to like to give him you know, a chance to be a receiving back. So it's really just a between the tackles for some second down type of guy. Brita's 25 also, uh, just turned 25. And again, he's never been one who's been the lead back. He has really done a lot with his career being an undrafted free agent. But longer term, it's just hard to see a lot of value without Jordan Howard getting hurt. Uh, Patrick Laird has some potential sneaky PPR type value. Uh in this offense, if he can carve out a role for himself. Last year he did have 23 catches for 204 yards, uh, splitting the work with Caleb Balazs. I don't know. None of these none of these guys I'm really high on unless, you know, something happens to Howard or Rita and the other one ends up getting kind of the lead back role. 
uh, Laird, maybe at best, is a stash in your, in your bench in Dynasty. But for redraft, I'm probably just avoiding this backfield. I think with Laird last year, I just think he was the best they had. And that those were his stats. Yeah. Um, Howard and Rita, much bigger, much better upgrade than what they had last year with Laird and Ballage. And if Miami is successful this year, it'll be because of Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. So, I mean, I obviously like those guys better than you. Um, Fantasy-wise, I might have one of those guys on, on my teams every once in a while, but I'm not going to reach for them or anything. I mean, I do own Howard in one of my dynasty leagues, but I've owned him since the Chicago days. So, I don't know. I just think they're a much, much better upgrade than, than Laird and Gaskin. Um, but do you, did you have anything on Gaskin at all? No, I wouldn't worry about him. I do I have do an have interesting a... stat on Kalen Balazs. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. Last year he averaged 1.8 yards per carry on 74 attempts. So wow. he could have he could have went to the line of scrimmage and just fell forward. <laughs> <laughs> and he would have averaged wow. more yards per carry. Uh, I would do take – one thing I would disagree with you on is if this offense is good this year, you said it's going to be because of Howard and Breda. I think if this offense is good this year, it's going to be because of Tua. I, <laughs> unless he can come in and be productive and start moving him up and down the field, I just don't know if this offense is going to have a ton of upside. Well, I think if Tua's in there, I think they'll be running. I mean, they're going to be running the ball more often. I think Fitzpatrick's a gunslinger. He'll be passing around a lot, and, and they'll be losing games, so I can see them passing more with Fitzpatrick. So, I mean, it could be a good thing if Tua's in there for – for Howard and Brita. But I have my first big sleeper alert. Okay? Wee, you ready wee, for this? Wee, wee. Sleeper <laughs> alert. Sleeper alert. Malcolm Perry, quarterback for Navy. He was drafted. He was drafted in the last round, I think. Look out for him. Look out for him. Especially if things aren't working out for Howard and Brita. Um, even if they are, I still, I still wouldn't be surprised if Perry is in there as the third, as the third running back. Maybe even dipping into um, some early, early down work too. So um, he, he was a quarterback at Navy. Um, he had 295 yard, or two, I'm sorry, 295 carries, 2,017 yards, and 21 touchdowns last year. He has over well over 4,000 yards for his career. Um, in last year's Army-Navy game, he had 304 yards against Army. He's, he's a stud. Look out for him. Even though he played quarterback at Navy, does not mean he can pass the ball. I'm not saying <laughs> he's ever going to play quarterback or anything. Um, but I can see him playing some running back and maybe some receiver for the Dolphins. He could be a gadget player. So, so look out for that. Definitely worth a stash on your dynasty team. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say a redraft, but um, maybe keep an eye on that. See if he, see if he makes the 53 man roster, see if he makes the active squad on week one and see how much he plays in that first week. And then maybe he might be a, a waiver wire ad in week two. You're not getting Malcolm Perry on any other podcast, folks. You got to come here for <laughs> that type of insight on the, what is, would he be the fifth string running back in Miami? I mean, we know you uh, love these timeshare backfields, Brent, but 
that's next level analysis right there. I'm sorry. And you know what? Not has, everybody. Go ahead. Go ahead. He has a seamless transition coming from Navy where he's very familiar with the water to being a dolphin. So it's <laughs> perfect. Perfect transition for Malcolm Perry. I'm sorry. Not every running back is Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey <laughs> and Ezekiel Elliott. You're not going to find all running backs like that. No, you're not. But you don't have to love the ones that aren't like that, Grant. <laughs> That's a choice on your part. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's move on to receivers. All right. So, receivers, we have Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Albert Wilson is probably the top three here. Uh, any of those guys you like? Devontae Parker really came out of nowhere last season and finally did what everybody was hoping he would do from the time he was drafted, Grant. He did. He did. I especially like Parker. If Ryan Fitzpatrick happens to play the whole year, he really had a connection with Parker. I think Parker could have a wide receiver one type year. He he did great last year. I mean, we were all kind of waiting for for him to break out. And honestly, probably 95% of the fantasy players out there probably gave up on Parker. But he finally had his breakout year and he looked really good. Preston Williams had a good, good year as the wide receiver two. Um, Albert Wilson, he's always been quietly pretty good um, in fantasy the, during his whole career. So especially if Fitzpatrick's quarterback, I can see them being down a lot, throwing the ball around, and those three, those three receivers will be getting a lot of catches and yards and maybe a few touchdowns. Yeah, I think Devontae Parker, if he can repeat last year, he's in line to be – potentially low-end receiver one or high-end receiver two. He was wide mm-hmm. receiver 14 in fantasy points per game last year, and he was getting a lot of downfield work. He was number five in the league in deep targets, number four in completed air yards. Not great after the catch, but when you're getting the ball that far downfield, you don't have to be to accrue a lot of fantasy value. He ended up with 72 catches for 1,200 yards last year in uh, nine touchdowns, which was number three among all receivers. So uh, Devontae Parker, if you – had him on your team last year he probably helped you win a lot of games because you probably didn't spend a lot of draft capital on him ended up playing the entire season maybe this year they get a little better quarterback play if Tua is able to come on and uh, be a little more accurate than uh, what (laughs) what we saw out of the Miami quarterbacks last year we'll see I think Parker has a lot of upside in both redraft and dynasty he's going into his age 27 season He'll turn 28 in January of next year. So uh, he's right there at the apex of his career and showed last year that he has the ability to perform at a high level. Uh, hopefully he can repeat that. He's never done it before in his career, but you know sometimes this happens where guys come out of nowhere and they really surprise us and turn their career around. He was about one more season to be away from being potentially flushed out of the league. So good for Devontae Parker. Preston mm-hmm. Williams was a pleasant surprise in that offense last season before he tore his ACL. So he's 6'5", 218 pounds, was an undrafted free agent uh, last year um, for the Dolphins. He ended up playing in eight games, having 32 catches for 428 yards, three touchdowns, which was good enough for 11 fantasy points per game. Uh, which would have been, you know, wide receiver number 43, not great, but for a rookie, an undrafted rookie, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, Again, he did tear his ACL last season, so for redraft, I'm probably not going to touch him, but for dynasty, I think he's certainly worth uh, taking a shot. I mean, you can probably get him pretty cheap 
because if the owner who had him, you know, is concerned about him coming back from that ACL injury and we don't know exactly how long it'll take him to get back to where he was, there's a chance that they may be willing to, you know, give him to you for a third round pick or something like that. And yeah, his upside with that size and with the way he performed last year, uh, he was pretty fun to watch there for a few weeks, Brent. He was. He was. Who do you think is going to be wide receiver four in, the, in this offense? Alan Hearns, Jakeem Grant, Isaiah Ford, Gary Jennings, Matt Collins, Ricardo Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> or do we even need to mention those guys? Uh, probably Alan Hearns. I don't know. It's tough to say. and It's tough to really see that mattering too much, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of skipped over Albert Wilson. Uh, he has some upside in this offense, maybe as a stash on the end of your bench, mm-hmm. but probably not somebody I'm concerned about redrafting. Uh, just a stash in Dynasty at best. And for the rest of those guys, I would have the same kind of approach as probably not – actually, I'm probably not touching them in redraft or Dynasty. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. This, that fourth spot, out of those guys that I mentioned, I, I'm not – worried about them maybe Malcolm Perry that running back my sleeper running back might be the fourth <laughs> might be their fourth receiver so who knows go. yeah he's either the number four or five running back or the number four or five receiver <laughs> he'll be the number three running back and the number four <laughs> receiver he'll be all over the place I can't wait to see it Brent <laughs> what about tight end Mike Kosicki how do you feel about him Brent um, I put him in the same category as the last tight end that we just talked about is Dawson Knox. I see a lot of people high on him and um, maybe one of the sleepers this year. He might have a little bit better the better year than Knox, um, but won't be great for tight end for starting for my tight end and redraft. Um, he might be an interesting look or an interesting spot for my dynasty team. But he wouldn't be starting for my team this year, I don't think. Um, yeah, that just – I mean, he, he is a good size, 6'6", 252, athletic, just like we talked about with Knox. Um, what are your thoughts on Gusecki? I like him a lot as a tight end, too, with a ton of upside in redraft this season. And in Dynasty, I think he's probably a lower-end tight end one. He's going into his third year. He was a, a second-round pick out of Miami in 2018. Last year, he had 51 catches for 570 yards and five touchdowns. He really started to come on at the end of the year. So their last game a week, their last game against the Patriots, he had seven targets just going back from there. 12 targets, eight targets, five, seven, seven, six, six, six. So later in the year, he was getting a lot of work. His best game was probably against the Bengals in week 15 he had six catches on 12 targets for 82 yards and two touchdowns uh he's as you mentioned Brent good size 6'6 247 he's an incredible athlete we saw that as we went through the draft process and some of the videos that were out there he ran a 4-5-4-40 which gave a 95th percentile speed score he's 99th percentile in burst score 99th percentile in agility score and 100th percentile in catch radius so he's a tremendous athlete he was had him on a college fantasy team when he was at Penn State, and it was a lot of fun to watch him there. And I think this could be the year he starts to turn the corner. That third year is a really big one for tight ends. He started to do a little bit last year with, like I mentioned, over 500 yards. This season, I think he really can crank that up a notch. He was nine. He had nine fantasy points a game last season. Good for number 13 among tight ends. It doesn't take a lot to be a back-end tight end one in fantasy. Mike Gesicki has probably that 
type of potential at worst this season with potential, I think, to be probably a top five tight end uh, this season as a ceiling. Uh, I'm, I like Nisiki a lot. I I think uh, for where he's going in drafts, he could be a really good value in both redraft and dynasty. It's possible. Durham Smith, Chris Myrick, any fantasy relevance for those guys for the backups? Uh, I would say no. <laughs> I, yeah. I agree. I agree. It's a big, even though Durham Smith was a fourth round pick in 2018, um, I just don't see it. Maybe if maybe if um, your guy Gusecki gets hurt, but I yeah. don't see it. Yeah, I agree. Move on to the New York Football Jets. <laughs> Let's do it. Right. So we got Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco here at quarterback. Brand, <laughs> how do you feel about Sam this year? Sam Darnold. We we discussed this previously, and I'm still in the same boat. I'm not high on him. I'm, I'm not too too low on him. Um, I mean, there's a good chance that they'll give up on him after a couple of years. There's also a decent chance that he'll just be their guy for another couple of years. <laughs> I don't know. I, I got to see more of Darnold, I think. He, he just didn't have a very good team around him his first couple of years in the NFL. I just I want to see more. Um, unfortunately, I don't think this team that he has around him this year is that good either. So, I mean, Joe Flacco for a backup. Is Joe he, Flacco elite, Brent? No. <laughs> no. I, I've I've never thought that he got himself a Super Bowl, so good for him. Good for him. What are your thoughts on those first two quarterbacks for the Jets? I wasn't a huge fan of Darnold since the time he came out, just because of his interception issues, and he's done nothing in his first two years to alleviate that concern for me. Mm-hmm. Last year, he completed sixty-two percent of his passes, nineteen touchdowns, thirteen interceptions. His rookie year. Completed 58% of his passes, 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Not really that much different from what we talked about Josh, with Josh Allen, except Sam Darnold doesn't have the rushing upside. He only had 33 attempts for 62 yards and two touchdowns last season. So you're really reliant on him adding value as a passer. To me, he hasn't shown the ability to do that thus far. I am not a fan of Adam Gase as a coach, and I don't have a lot of faith in his ability to bring out the best in Sam Darnold. He was never able to do it with the talent he had in Miami. And then you look at what those guys have done since they left Miami. You look at, you know, last year with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. You look at what happened with Kenyon Drake when he went to Arizona. You look at what happened with Jarvis Landry when he went from Miami to Cleveland. All of these guys seem to be able to be productive in places other than Miami once they got away from Adam Gase. And I just... And not a fan as a result of that. So between not liking Darnold a lot as far as an individual player and then really not liking Adam Gase as a coach, it's hard for me to be too optimistic about Sam Darnold. He's probably a lower-end quarterback, too, for me in both Dynasty and Redraft this season. He had 14 fantasy points per game last year, number 27 among quarterbacks. Uh, we mentioned previously on our last episode that he uh, – had his issues coming in in the middle of the season and missing a lot of time due to mono. Maybe this offseason allows him to 
you know, improve upon that a little bit and have some consistency, but I just am not a fan. I agree with you. I agree. Um, but if there was a quarterback on this roster that I would possibly go and be going after, it would be James James Morgan. Um, he was their fourth round pick. Um, he had some good reviews before the draft. He's one of those quarterbacks that are that were getting talked about for maybe even being better than Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm because he was in that group with those two quarterbacks. Um, so I heard some good things about James Morgan. Watch watch a little bit of film on him and. I mean, his film looked pretty good. He's from Florida International. I actually took a, took a fire on him in one of my Superflex leagues as um, one of my quarterbacks. So I got him in the fourth round. I mean, it, it's a reach. I get it. He won't be playing this year, especially with them having Joe Flacco. But maybe, maybe in the future, maybe he might be good trade bait for the Jets. Maybe they can – maybe Darnold does okay and – they'll trade James Morgan to some other team that likes him that might give him a shot. So we'll see about him. Yeah. Maybe an end of your bench stash and nasty. Mm-hmm. But the other quarterbacks on the roster, David Fells, Mike White. Nah, I'm not worth talking about. No, I agree. Running so back. running backs, we have Le'Veon Bell, Brent's favorite, Frank Gore, LaMichael Pirine, and Josh Adams. What do you think about Le'Veon Bell this season, Brent? I am staying away. So you talk about me liking timeshares. <laughs> I'm staying away from this mess of a backfield. Um, there's some big names in there with Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore. I get it, but I think Le'Veon Bell is getting to the end of his road. Frank Gore is getting to the end of his road. Um I think by the end of the year, LaMichael P. Ryan might have a role in this offense. Um, it might not be a big role, but he might be getting a third or maybe even half of the rushing attempts, maybe split between Bell and Gore. So, I mean, that, I don't know. It just Bell will probably have a little – maybe a similar season to what he had last year, but maybe a little bit worse. Gore – might have the sim- similar stats to, w- to what he had at Buffalo. Um, but I just don't expect those two to do any better than what they did last year. But I see P. Ryan um, maybe being a, a waiver wire pickup later on in, in redraft. Definitely, definitely worth a pick in Dynasty. Um, How high of a pick would you spend on him? For, in Dynasty? Um, 12-team league. If we're just talking a rookie draft, probably mid-second, probably. Maybe wow. mid to late second. So, what are your thoughts on those guys? I am probably avoiding this backfield and redraft. And for Dynasty, if I have Le'Veon Bell, I'm probably looking to move him while I can still get something. Yeah. Uh, last year, he had three yards per carry, 3.2 yards per carry. Uh, he got quite a bit of work with 245 attempts, but that only translated to 789 yards because he was so efficient. He only had three touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell has always been a pretty good pass receiver. Last year he had 66 catches for 461 yards and a touchdown. That's probably where you're hoping he can maintain that while improving his efficiency. But you look back, so last year he averaged 3.2 yards per carry. He didn't play at all 
in 2018. Obviously, we know with the holdout. 2017, he averaged four yards. In 2016, he averaged 4.9. So he's clearly on a downward trend there. He's now, as you mentioned, Brent, getting to the end of his career. He just turned 28. He's got a lot of wear and tear on his body, almost 1,500 carries, uh, 378 receptions over his career. So I think he's probably likely to continue to decline as a rusher, and maybe he can continue to be a decent receiver and be a viable uh, lower end running back two or a flex. He averaged 14 points a game, was which was number 18 among running backs last year. So probably a little worse than that this year. Like I said, a lower end running back two or a flex. I just don't see a lot of upside. And if I'm for where he's going in drafts, I think there are running backs who can probably have a similar floor, but better upside. And I would probably take a shot at one of them instead. Frank Gore, you're not touching in Dynasty. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> uh, and redraft. Hey, we've been saying that for like five years now, though. <laughs> yeah, we have. <laughs> but he's pretty much at the end of the road. Last year he had less than 600 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. I mean, you're not <laughs> playing him, and I would be surprised if he gets much work this year. I think Peter Ryan about Michael P. Ryan. I like him as a stash in Dynasty. It'll be interesting to see how much work he gets this year. Probably not enough to be relevant in redraft, but potentially, you know, worthwhile in Dynasty in a year or two once Le'Veon Bell starts to uh, reach the end of the road. Good. And uh, while you were talking there, I looked at my my rookie rankings. I'd actually put P. Ryan maybe towards the end of the second, maybe early, early third. Yeah, I would probably be a little lower than you on him, maybe later in the third or early fourth. But I, I think at that point it's kind of a get-your-guy situation in rookie drafts. Receivers, we have Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perryman, the rookie Denzel Mims out of Baylor, who we previously talked about, and then uh, a fewer lower-tier guys, Vincent Smith, Braxton Barrios. Uh, what do you think about those top three, though, Brent? Um, I've always kind of been a fan of Jameson Crowder. I don't he is, expect he's the favorite receiver on the Jets on this podcast, as we all know. <laughs> yeah, it's three weeks in a row we're talking about Jameson Crowder. Jeez. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't expect too much better. I don't expect him to do too much better than what he did last year. Um, but I mean, last year he was worth a definitely worth a roster spot in redraft and dynasty. Maybe worth a start here and there. Um, Brashad Perriman, he came from the Buccaneers last year, and he had a decent year. I'm, I'm actually – it's pretty cool that he had a little um, resurrection from – I mean, I thought he was done for yeah. um, until last year, so that's cool. Um, I don't think he'll be the wide receiver two for the Jets. I think Mims has that locked up. I think Mims will be the guy to own if we're looking between Perriman and Mims. But I definitely have Mims as the number two in the offense, and then probably Perriman, and then probably Vincent Smith. But other than that, I'm not a big fan of anybody else on that wide receiver roster, especially with Sam Darnold at the quarter, as quarterback. Yeah, I probably am touching any of these guys in uh, redraft league. I mean, Jamison Crowder – has had some decent years. He's probably not the type of receiver that you're looking back to start in your lineup, though. 
Uh, he had 78 catches for 833 yards and six touchdowns last year in the full season. So that was good for uh, 12 points a game, number 36 receiver. So probably a backhand receiver three at best uh, for Jameson Crowder with not a lot of upside at this point in his career. He is now uh, he is now 27 years old to be 28, or he just turned 27. So not a lot of upside in Dynasty, but somebody who can at least get you some decent stats and maybe as a bi-week fill-in, uh, ideally. Denzel Mims, I think, has a good chance to step right into this offense and be the alpha on the outside. Uh, tremendous athlete. We discussed him previously. He was very productive at Baylor. Broke out early. Has good size at 6'3", 207, and uh, just has everything you really want when you look at a receiver. who was picked in the second round by the Jets. Uh, so I think he has a lot of upside both longer term, and I think he could be pretty productive this year. I'm never real big on drafting receivers, rookie receivers, very high in redraft, but late in the later round, mid to late rounds, give me Denzel Mims for some upside for this season. And then finally, like you mentioned, Brashad Perriman had some really good games at the end of last season. So weeks uh, 13 through 17, he had 13 points, 16 points, 34 points, 6 points, 17 points, and 24 points. So if you had him on your roster and started him in those playoff weeks, it worked out pretty well for you. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he's kind of at that point in his career where unless he can do it over a full season like what we saw Devontae Parker do last year, it may be uh, kind of hard for him to be that true alpha we hoped he would be when he came out in 2015 as a first-round pick. Uh, so I think he's probably the number three receiver for fantasy purposes in this offense, and I'm probably not. Maybe a late in a, a redraft league I would take a shot on him because he has some upside, uh, but not spending any sort of premium draft pick on him. And then Dynasty is probably somebody I would maybe – I've looked to sell towards the end of last year or right after the season when everybody kind of had that, you know, those four or five really good weeks fresh in their mind, if you could. But probably not somebody I'm looking to hold on to for the next couple of years because I I just don't know if he's going to be able to repeat what he did those four or five weeks. Yeah. Good point. All right. So moving on finally to the tight ends in New York, and then we are finished with the main event, Brent. So <laughs> we have Chris Herndon as the tight end one here. How do you feel about Chris? I like Herndon. Um, 2018, he had a good year for Darnold's. I think it was. I think it was Darnold's rookie year. He seemed to be a Darnold favorite towards the end of the year. So uh, last year was a tough year for him. I know he got suspended the first couple games, and then he, the game that he came back, I think he hurt his hamstring, and that hampered him pretty much the whole rest of the year. So we didn't see much of Chris Herndon last year. So as long as he can get on that same page with Darnold like he did back in 2018, I expect a pretty good year. And probably, out of all the tight ends that we talked about tonight, probably my favorite tight end for Dynasty and Redraft. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't like him as much as Kasicki, but I certainly think he has some upside. That rookie year you mentioned, he had, 56, or he had 39 catches for 502 yards on 56 targets, four touchdowns. Uh, I was really optimistic that he would have a lot of potential last season, but he ended up, I think he was suspended for the first four games, correct me if I'm wrong, Brent. Yeah. And then after that, he had uh, a rib fracture 
in week 10 that cost him to miss the rest of the season. And in week six, he had a hamstring strain. So he had those two injuries back to back and really never got off the ground last year. He only ended Mm -hmm. up playing in one game, uh, had, you know, one catch for seven yards, but uh, if he can stay on the field this season, I certainly think he has a lot of upside uh, with his size, you know, 6'4", 253. Pretty good rapport with Sam Darnold, as you mentioned. Uh, I think I would probably stash him in Dynasty. Probably not. Maybe take him as a tight end, too, in a rookie draft just as a flyer if everybody else is off the board. But uh, I think there's a lot of upside for Herndon this season. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I think if you have him on your redraft team, um, he probably is a tight end too. So you better make sure you have a better tight end available in case you, in case he does go back to his um, old ways, like last year, getting hurt or getting suspended. So yeah, um, with the backup tight ends, any interest? Ryan Griffin, Wesco, Daniel Brown. Not really. So Ryan Griffin is now 30, uh, and I think he's likely to be a backup for Herndon this year. He was actually pretty productive last season with Herndon out uh, as far as tight ends go. He had seven points per game, which was good enough for number 18 tight end. So I think that, you know, as a lower end tight end too, makes a decent case for a better player in Herndon to be able to step in and be a little more productive with the work that the tight end was able to get in that offense and uh, potentially be a a tight end one have a tight end one type season so I think that's the best thing you can say about Ryan Griffin is he did okay last season with Herndon out and you know kind of demonstrated what type of opportunity Herndon will have in this offense going forward good I agree well we got four down four teams down yeah only seven divisions left (laughs) All right, so Brent, should we move on to the Fantasy Lifeline? Yes, yes. Okay, so this week we have another voicemail question, uh, and I will play that one for you right now. Hey, fellas, this is BH from GI. I love the show, uh, 59215. Anyhow, longtime Dynasty owner here, although you wouldn't know it by looking at my roster, uh, I got a long-standing league that I'm in. You know, I've had a stacked team the past five years. Unfortunately, I choked in four championship games worse than Marv Levy's Buffalo Bills. I mean, just completely wasting the prime years of Hopkins, Beckham, and Kelsey. I felt pretty good going into last season. I had a ton of draft capital. Had four first-round picks. You know, I ended up going full Detroit Lions, blowing all four picks on a bunch of backup running backs that likely have shorter careers than Rashawn Salam. I mean, we're talking some Al Davis-level head-scratchers like taking Darwin Thompson over A.J. Brown last year. you know. So now I'm left with Mahomes, a bunch of age cliff nearing starters, and, and not much else. Man, I doubt I can even acquire an elite tight end like Evan Ingram at this point with the assets I've got. So, so what do you guys think here? What's my best approach? Just scrap it and start over. Uh, a little worried, though, about my inept drafting history if I do that. Uh, but any advice would be appreciated. Just maybe don't let that fella who screwed the pooch on that super flex startup draft say too much here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's n- another good one. Another good one. <laughs> any advice for BH from GI? Well, you know who that I, I think I think I'm familiar with the team. He's he's got a lot of good timeshare running backs that'll probably lead him to another. <laughs> 
to another fantasy championship game. He he might he might lose it again, but he'll at least he'll at least be in the championship once again. Um, but I do gotta say, last year at this maybe not at this time maybe last year in August, I was a huge, I was in all in on Darwin Thompson. Oh man, he, that's tough. I drafted him like. <laughs> like the 12th pick last year I think it was I did pass up on AJ Brown thank you for so, that by the way oh man that I'll remembering I'll, I'll be remembering that for for years <laughs> so that sucks <laughs> Darwin Thompson another small slow running back this one didn't pan out as well as as your other favorite that we talked about earlier 58198 <laughs> ran a 46040 but he no. hey yeah a good preseason so there's plenty more running backs that are that, that are five eleven, two hundred thirty pounds that runs a four four, that we that we're awful in the NFL too. So, uh. I love the the vividness bias that had everybody taking Darwin Thompson. Like you were far from being the only one to take yeah. Darwin Thompson in the first round last year, and it was just because the preseason was going on and we he looked great against uh-huh. teams second third streams so. and, and the person ahead of him was damian williams he's kind of in a way a no-namer at least last year yeah i mean i don't know it's that I'll, I'll be remembering that one for a while but i mean the other the other running backs that were taken in the first round were devin singletary turned out to be pretty good um tony pollard I got him with the 16th pick. He turned out to be okay. We'll, we'll actually see a big chunk of him this year, I hope. And then, right, you don't have to defend your team against Colin Slander. You can just tell well, him. I mean, I, I, I'm just saying those four running backs that I got weren't that bad. So, <laughs> except for Thompson, that 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 one hurt. That yeah. one hurt. Do you want to but, comment on the? What do you say? Five nine two fifteen. He's not giving you much credit there, man. Uh, I'd say I'm <laughs> at least five ten and a half. Come on, Colin. <laughs> Jeez. And then two hundred fifteen pounds of muscle, maybe two hundred twenty five pounds of muscle. <laughs> but <laughs> you have better size for running back than Darwin Thompson. Yeah, yeah, a lot better size, especially compared to Colin. Colin's like six four, like one one fifteen, maybe. <laughs> well, thank you, Colin, for submitting that a roast of Brent. We've got a little bit of a trend here going with those so <laughs> that are highly entertaining for me, and I kind of, you know, avoid the crossfire if I can. But and and guys, for for you guys listening, I need some help. We need someone to roast Levi too. So I expect <laughs> some voicemails coming up this ne- for this next week. Knowing our listeners, they will be happy to oblige with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that out of the way, we've got BH from GI taken care of. Uh, real briefly, we wanted to talk a little bit about the Scott Fishbowl Potathon. So this year, we are happy to be a sponsor for an hour of the Scott Fishbowl Potathon. The Scott Fishbowl is a season-long fantasy football tournament that includes 1,440 teams. Biggest tournament that I'm aware of out there, Brent. Uh, it's made up of industry analysts and fans that are selected by the commissioner, Scott Fish, to receive an invitation to the league. There are 120 different divisions uh, that have 12 teams each, and the goal is to raise money for Toys for Tots and other charities. So the Scott Fishbowl Potathon was created to help raise additional money for those charities. It starts at 7 p.m. Central on Sunday, July 5th, and goes through 24 hours. 
It features a new guest, a fantasy football analyst from the industry every half hour. Uh, to find a list of the guests, you can go to the Scott Fishbowl Potathon Twitter account at SFB Potathon. Those guests include some of the biggest names in the industry, people like Matthew Berry, Evan Silva, uh, and others. So they have a huge variety of guests, and they're all going to be very informative and entertaining to listen to as they join the Potathon. So be sure to tune in. Donate some money to charity in the spirit of the event if you can. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about the Scott Fishbowl, go to scottfishbowl.com. Uh, for more information about the Podathon, including the schedule, like I mentioned, they're on Twitter at SFB Podathon. Uh, we're looking forward to it, and we're thrilled to be a sponsor of what has become such a great event, raising a ton of money for charity. The Podathon has already raised nearly $16,000 for charity in just over three weeks. I don't know what the Scott Fishbowl itself has raised, but I know they do a tremendous amount, probably even more than just the Podathon. So a ton of money going to uh, great causes as a result of this event. So thanks to Scott Fish for putting it together, to all the guys behind the Podathon for helping organize that and putting it on each year. Uh, if you'd like to contribute to the Podathon uh, and join us in our donation, uh, their Twitter account has a link to the PayPal pool where you can donate. So be sure to check that out. Again, it starts on Sunday, July 5th at 7 p.m. Central and goes for 24 hours. And find out more details at SFB Podathon on Twitter. So, Brad, pretty cool to be a part of that this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. With that said, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, it, as always, would mean the world to us if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. That helps people find us, and it helps them know what they're getting into, what kind of roast they can expect, expect of Brent. If you want to roast us in your review and leave five stars, we would be more than happy to repeat <laughs> those here on the show. Uh, we've set the bar pretty high between the submissions from Colin and Trevin. So if you can beat them, please do it. Uh, we'll have a new episode for you next week. Until then, thanks for being part of the Fantasy Players Club. On behalf of Brent hut hut this is Levi Valentine signing off. Yeah. some storms going on in my area so hopefully i don't lose electricity hopefully it doesn't look too bad though i guess
maybe if we're still taping around nine o'clock, I might might run into some bad storms, but I think we'll be all right. It's hailing out right now. I know. <laughs> and my car is outside, or my pickup's outside. I totally forgot about that. Uh-oh. All I right. You need to go get it in. But we'll, we'll talk about receivers. I, I just told them to bring it in for me okay. if they can. All right. Um, receivers? You have to replace the roof on your new house? I hope not. Jeez. <laughs> That'd be awful. That would be. <laughs> Gosh. Hope you got that insurance policy, babe. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go check on everything. So, All right. Yeah. Good luck. Let me know how yeah. it turns it, out. 